Welcome, Saddles, to the next episode of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive, or Saddle for short. My name is Alison Barton Simmons. Now then, see, I did it properly this time. Oh, was that another then? Another then. Yeah, I'm Eggs Benedict. Oh, that's how you do it. That's how Fred did it, anyway. Oh, I'm getting there with it. I'm, you know, I'm honing my Fred Truman. <laughs> Good. We are up to. Series two, episode four of the 1980s, John Sullivan. I was going to say classic, but it's more of a... Um, Hidden gem? Cult classic. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Cult classic of Dear John. This episode, entitled Sanctuary. Do we know how many um, viewers this episode got? We don't, because I usually get that information off IMDb, but it wasn't on this week's. So oh, right, okay. I, I, it probably is out there somewhere, but I... Do not know the answer, but nevertheless, you will enjoy it. You will enjoy it. We're we're, we're nearing the end now, aren't we, of Dear John, unfortunately. I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this ride. Yeah, just three episodes left after this one. This one was broadcast on September the 28th. So, yeah, towards the end of 1987. And Mm. I think the very last one was, was a Christmas special. Right, okay. A really good Christmas special. And although it was, wasn't intended to be the end of Dear John, it serves very well as a, as a last one. And then, of course, the, the US run of Dear John started 1988. I read somewhere that it was teed up for a Series 3, but Ralph Bates was unwell. Yeah. So they gave the studio recording time to One Foot in the Grave, which was a new show. All right. That's quite interesting. The American version, did that... Do like the American Office, where it took the, like the, the pilot and then ran with it from there, or did they take it? How did how, have you seen any? Have you seen enough of it to know how it worked? I've seen a few clips of it, and and it was almost verbatim the same lines. Oh, okay, except drank instead of drink, <laughs> and uh, drank instead of drink. <laughs> Kirk's name was right. Kirk Morris, not Kirk Saint Moritz. All right, and of course, like he wasn't that wasn't a pseudonym; that was just who he was. You know, he was a spy. Yes, so. he was a spy. So it wasn't verbatim because obviously you wouldn't have had those scenes where he was living at his mum's. But it was it was right. very similar to the Dear John originals up until it. I think it ran for f- four series and about 100 episodes. So when you think there's 14 UK Dear Johns, the, the bulk of these US ones were, were originals. And John right. Sullivan didn't write all of those scripts. I mean, it... it you know, got Americanized with writers' rooms and yeah, things like that. It's a different process, isn't it? So I'll, I'd be interested to see just how it how it all played out and how it differed. I got told uh, the other day that I have a, a testicular pearl. <laughs> where? Well, where do you think? <laughs> where, where are you keeping that? Well, I had a lump, and I went to get it checked out by an ultrasound person. Right. And he and he said you've got a testicular pearl, and I thought, oh, thanks very much. <laughs> I thought it was a compliment. Is that valuable? Is it? Is it? Could you have it removed and, and made into like jewelry? Or something? I don't know. I'm sure there's someone on Etsy. Someone on Etsy will, will do that for you if you wanted fashioning into like a necklace or something. Yeah, I don't even like oysters even. And here I am with a with a pearl of a testicle. Wow, special that. Isn't it's it? a calcification, and it's not it's yeah. harmless enough, but it's just a nice little floaty lump. But I just thought that was quite a sweet thing to to have. Testicular pearl. Being referred to as a pearl, yeah, like not like a kidney stone. I always picture that as being something like really jaggedy and horrible and painful, but a pearl just sounds like it's, you know. I think it's much the same thing except 
this one's in my nutsack rather than in my kidneys. Yeah, yeah, it's just positioning. Isn't That's it? all it, it is, is. Yeah, it's just formation. If you if you have it, have it removed, I'm sure there's someone that can like drop it into a, a necklace for you or a ring. A friend of mine over here had a um, varicose vein removed from a leg, and she kept wow. she kept it. There's a big string, what? stringy fucking. Did they pull it? Did I didn't? I, do you know what? You learn something new every day. Did they actually pull it out as like a length of? Well, I don't know of, how they go about bit. doing it, but I know that she took great pleasure in flashing it around and saying, "Look, wow. look at me varicose vein." What like waving it round your head? It's pretty horrible to look at. It wasn't like a testicular pearl. Yeah, yeah like Spider Man. You could thread them together. You could thread them together and make some kind of horrific human body art. <laughs> yeah, you'd sell it, yeah. or you could put that on some niche website, and that'd go for thousands. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yes. Well, I think we best move <laughs> off this topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So this this week's episode charted at 12th place in the charts in the UK and it had 10.8 million viewers. That's better than last week's, isn't it? By a good 3 million, yeah. Oh, see, you lose Tosh, you gain 3 million viewers. I think also whatever was on ITV with bloody Pierce Brosnan must have finished at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's up from 7.5 million to 10.8 million. And do you know what, Al? You will enjoy it. I think I will. Before we start our deep dive this week, as we have with the last series, I've got a 1987 quiz, if you'd like to, to take part then. Oh, because you did the 1986 one, didn't you? For um... I did. It's all factual, newsy kind of, of, of stuff. So if you'd like to give it a go, shall we, shall we have a try? Oh, why not? Yeah. Excellent. I've got, let me just check, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight questions. Blimey, okay. Okay, some are just straight answers, some are multiple choice. So just give it give it your best. All right. Okay. I'll keep a tally of what of what marks you've got. Okay. Number 1. What was the name of the ferry that capsized on the evening of March the 6th? Was it mm. The Pride of Free Enterprise, The Spirit of Free Enterprise, or The Herald of Free Enterprise? wasn't the ferry across the Mersey. It wasn't the ferry across the Mersey. It was um, off the coast of, I want to say, Holland. I remember this because I went on a, a, you know, like like moments in time that then you, they create like a core memory in your life. Yeah. I, I'd gone, it, it was my friend's eighth birthday and we'd gone to Wimpy for tea in Bolton and I came back and this was on the news. Right, I thought you were going to say you'd gone to Holland and sailed no, past it. No, although I do have a photograph of my nana and granddad on the ferry a, a couple of years before. A different time. Yeah. Yeah. And the sun, apparently, the sun had sold, like, reduced tickets prices for, for, for going on these trips. So, like, loads of people that had bought the tickets via the sun. Mm. Newspaper had ended up on the on the um, on this ferry. So, I'll tell you again. Pride of Free Enterprise, Spirit of Free Enterprise, Herald of Free Enterprise. It's the spirit, isn't it? It was the Herald of Free Enterprise. Oh, was it? Oh. It was. It was. Oh. And did anyone die on that? I can't remember. I think they did, yeah. They, oh. It was to do with... And I think that they, they, they changed loads of the rules with regards to car ferries afterwards because it was to do with the, the, the doors at the back and, and something not shutting and water had all had gone on. And 
the it, the company that, that ran the ferry I'm, I'm, I'm sorry it's like a right stato on ferries the ferry company um just rebranded because because everybody had seen on the news the picture yeah. of the capsized ferry the photograph from above taken by um a helicopter they just rebranded them they just re- they repainted them in like different colors so that people wouldn't associate it so they didn't rebrand as P&O, did they? I've got a feeling they did, which obviously now is yeah. quite topical because they've just laid off loads of people. Mm. They've shafted everyone by video message, haven't they? It was awful, that, and your last yeah. day is today. Don't come back to work. Awful. So, you, so, you, so you, you're, you're at nil still, I'm afraid. Question number two is still linked to question number one. Name the charity oh, single <laughs> and super band that was formed to raise money for this um, event. We'll go back to Ferry Cross of Mersey. <laughs> well, you're not... Think about other charity singles around this time and what the band was called. Band-Aid. So it was Band-Aid, so... This was Ferry-Aid, what? was it? It was Ferry-Aid, it that, was, yeah. That sounds like something that I used to make in my soda stream. <laughs> and the song that they recorded... Was Ferry Cross of Mersey? No. It wasn't Ferry Cross of Mersey, no. It's a bit too on the nose. Oh. Go on, no idea. Let it be. Ugh. I know. Sorry, my, I know. my Sorry. Paul McCartney bias kicked in then. Can't stand Paul McCartney. I stuck it I stuck it in there because I knew that it would bug you. Sorry. Let it be. Who was in it with let me let me guess. Did it have Francis Rossi, Elton John, <laughs> Major? I, I, I think I remember seeing a picture of Boy George. Perhaps Bananarama were involved as well. Yeah, they like to get their heads in those, those type of things, they did. didn't they? Yeah. But I think the Sun, the Sun even like funded funded some of it, or they they put it all together. They organised it obviously because they felt guilty. Well, that's unlike them, isn't it? <laughs> to own their mistakes. Yeah. Number three, completely different topic now. Good, I hope so. <laughs> we're off ferry ferry aids and things like that. NHS prescription charges. Hmm were increased to what price in March of 87? Okay. Was it £1.85, £2.40, or £3.80? Well, it's going to be a complete guess, but £3.80 sounds like a lot in 1987. Okay. So I'm going to go with... I think I'm going to go with the middle one, £2.00... What was it? Yes, you get a point for that. It was £2.40. God, you can only dream now of £2.40, can't you? What did it? What did it jump up to? From sorry, um, I'm I'm not sure, but I think it was two pound twenty or something around that. Right. That figure. So it wasn't a massive jump, but it was it was. God, two pound forty sounds mega cheap, there, doesn't it? I don't know. That's roughly what I pay here. You know. Is it what really? Yeah, I pay five dollars for any prescription that I need. Wow, it's nearly a tenner here. Is it? Yeah, it's pushing. It's pushing ten pound now. Nine pound something, I think. Get up north the border; it'll be free. Scotland, Scotland's a place to be, oh. Pipe dreams. Okay, number four. Who won the Football League First Division in May <laughs> for the ninth time? Oh, that's a tricky one. <laughs> was it Liverpool? Was it Everton? Or was it Tottenham? Well, even though I should be celebrating this because it was Everton, I feel like it's an embarrassment because it's practically the last time they've and won anything. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. They've won one thing one since there. then. So it's quite embarrassing, and I'll probably get relegated fairly soon as well. So, 
So you haven't cheered me up there at all, Al. You've brought... Sorry. Yeah, you just reminded me of how useless my football team is. Thanks for that. Sorry. Number five. Moving swiftly on. Yeah, I think you'll know this one. Which store opened its first branch in the UK in Warrington in October 87? Ikea. Yes. We've got an Ikea coming here now, you know. Have you really? Have you not already got one there? No, they're in Australia, but we've got one opening in Auckland. And the bloody Poms are so excited. <laughs> I bet they are as well. God, they'll be so queues for like excited. days, won't they? Yeah, be Ikea Wars like you used to see in the UK. Well, you probably still do. People stabbing each other to get to the... They do, don't they? It was like a mass, a mass stabbing for over like mattresses or something, weren't they? Crazy. Okay, number six. Operation Deep Scan was a £1 million search project in Scotland which failed to turn up evidence of what... In 1987. I will assume, although I have no memory of this whatsoever, the Loch Ness Monster. It was, yes. Oh, my guesses are paying off today. That's four out of six, isn't it? Okay, number seven. October the 19th became known as what after the stock market crashed? Uh, Black Friday. Black Tuesday, Black Wednesday, Black Thursday. You said them all apart from the one. Black Monday. <laughs> black Monday. Was it? Oh. It was. You can have half for that because you got black. Number number eight. Final final question. Which single, still a hit with the kids today, was the best selling single in the UK in nineteen eighty seven? Hmm. Okay. Nineteen eighty seven. And you say it's still a hit with the kids today? Yeah, the kids know it. Is it because of the Rick Rolling thing? Ah, uh, it might be. Uh, I can't remember what the bloody song's called. Hold on, let me sing it to myself. So do I. <laughs> Never going to give you up. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Astley's Never Going to Give You Up was the best-selling single of 1987. Wow. Well, you've got one, two, three, four, five. Oh, well, one, two, three, four, five, six and a half. Have I? You sure? No, you've not. Five you've got and a half. five and a half. Because you've got Black Monday. Five and a half out of eight. That's really good. Well done. A lot of guessing going on. Well, I don't think they were as, as, as difficult as I tend to make them often, so. Well, the Everton one wasn't. <laughs> no, I knew, I knew you'd know that one. Thank you for throwing that in. It's all right. Should we get stuck in to this episode then of Dear John? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get deep diving. Dear John, dear John, by the time you read this life, I'll be gone. Life goes on, right or wrong. Now it's up. So we're on series two, episode four, Sanctuary. And we open, um, as we have in, in other episodes, at John's school. And all the kids are like bustling out, aren't they? Yeah, mm. it, it always gives me Grange Hill vibes when, um, when I see this. 
Yeah, but the it, kids all piling out. I know what you mean, but it also gave me um, Hogwarts vibes because he was docking Did house it? points, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he was. He was. Um, he's telling off kids for for graffitiing. His friend Ken, who's a who's a bit of a shit house bugger. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, he see because he's a teacher as well at the same school, and he sees him. And Ken's invited John out for dinner. But John tells him that he can't go because he's he's been invited to a barbecue. It's a one-to-one barbecue. And he's got his eye on someone as well, hasn't he? He has. He has. He doesn't want to miss it because he's met a woman called Liz, who he describes as 33-ish, attractive, has a car, <laughs> and he met her on a ramble and they've really hit it off. So John's, you know, he's got irons in the fire, hasn't he, John? He has, but Ken's teasing him, saying, oh, you'll be doing Bob a job week next. Yeah, going on a ramble, taking the piss out of him. I actually couldn't remember what Bob a job week was. And when I looked it up, it was fairly obvious. I mean, Bob a job, meaning you get paid yeah. a bob for doing a job. Yeah. By, it was like a scouts thing, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, like an outdoorsy kind of hmm. kids thing, isn't it? I, obviously, it passed me by in my youth, but I think we should bring it back because it's quite a good idea for kids to be doing jobs and yeah. stuff like that, isn't it? Of and just it getting is. A, Mind you, these days, the lazy bastards probably just won't do it properly and still expect a fiver. And still want the money. Fiver for a skiver. <laughs> so it, it all sounds pretty straightforward, really, that you should be just turning Ken down. I can't come. I've, I've got, um, I'm off to meet the lovely Liz. Mm. But Ken's really miffed that John's going to let him down. And now this, this really irritated me after what Ken did the other week. Yeah. When he sort of seduced Kate and not telling her that he actually had a wife and five kids. Mm. He's a bit of a scumbag, isn't he, really, Ken? Yeah, he's horrible. I mean, he's manipulating John, even though John points out that when his marriage to Wendy ended, they never helped him out or invited him anywhere, and he says he went through the social menopause. Yeah. Left alone in his bed set without anybody around. So for Ken to be now needing needing John to do this and that, yeah, I'd I think I'd be a bit annoyed. But also, when you think about it, his plan here seems to be invite John round, soften her up with some jokes because apparently maggie finds john funny yeah and then go by eight o'clock so i can get maggie into bed yep it's a weird ploy that is going to lead to coitus <laughs> it's going to get john to laugh her into bed so that he can yeah he can get his end away yeah does it work like that he, he gets himself into all sorts of odd situations doesn't he? things that would that would benefit from just being honest and it doesn't seem to work like that no. for, for john or ken or Ken. No, he's very dishonest. That's the kind of guy I am. John's round at Ken and Maggie's, and Maggie is obviously not herself. She's feeling quite irritated and annoyed. She's serving up the dinner to Ken and John, who are sat at the table, and one of the kids, one of the five kids, shouts that the dog won't drop the ball, and Maggie just bellows, Shut up! <laughs> Your daddy and his guest are trying to eat their dinner in peace and quiet. And John just looks mortified and very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, he does. But I have to say, Sue Holderness gives very good, shrill, angry woman. She was, yeah, she was totally pissed off, weren't she? And you see her like that in other things as well, you know, with mm. with Boise and without Boise. She just gives yeah. good, angry woman, I think. Yeah. So she serves up the dinner of chilli con carne. John's trying to be dead polite and say, oh, well, this is a good chilli con carne. There's chilli con carne and there's chilli con carne. And she says that she wouldn't know because that, that kind of thing, because she's not a teacher. So she's, she's just irritated that John's there. Mm. 
It's not worked. Whatever ploy Ken had isn't working. Maggie goes and fills up the glasses of John and herself with wine and then just puts the bottle on the table and Ken's got to help himself. And they're calling each other darling between gritted teeth. It's just horrible to watch. Yes, it's really passive aggressive, isn't it? It is. I don't understand Ken. He's not exactly being conciliatory, is he? he you know, if he wants to if he wants to get John to laugh her into bed, why is he being so yeah. aggressive? And he says, I'm not hungry and makes little barbs to her. And and John's doing this crazy laugh, isn't he? Yeah. Because he's so he's so awkward in the situation. Very, very weird. They talk about a holiday that they all went on together because the aim was to get her talking about reminiscing, reminiscing about happy times. But then the time that they choose to reminisce about is when Maggie ended up with a burst appendix and then ended up nearly dying of peritonitis, which I can't imagine is, is a is a good is a good is a good holiday memory, really. Uh, you wouldn't think so, certainly. But she says, "Well, it's the best holiday he ever took me on, and it's the only holiday he ever took me on." John tells Ken that he needs to talk, and they need to, the, the pair of them need to talk. Really, um, he said that's what him and Wendy did. Yeah. But John says, "Don't leave it too late." Because you've got five kids and a dog too, so you need to get this sorted, really. Yeah, but Ken Ken won't take John's good marital advice because it comes from a divorced man. Yeah. And also he's got this archaic male view of not talking about your problems that we've discussed before about how the archaic attitudes of men in the 80s, or well, not only men, I mean, there was the Alco- Alcoholics Anonymous thing and that was all of yeah. them, wasn't it? Yeah. But he's definitely a bit Neanderthalish, isn't he? Hmm. John makes his excuses and says, I have to go, it's been bloody awful. <laughs> yeah, this is honest. Just thought it was a really good line. Yeah. Tiger. So we're now at the party. We're at the one-to-one club barbecue party that's been organised. Status quo, rocking all over the world. He's booming out. Yeah. And we see Kirk twizzling round this blonde this blonde lady, like his life depended on it. They're, they're literally just flinging themselves about all over the place. Sylvia and Louise are discussing Kirk and the lady, and we see we see that that side of Louise again, the the the, the side that we didn't like last week mm. when she pushed Sylvia to tell the story about her husband George. Yes, wearing ladies' clothes. So the lady that they're, they're discussing is Wanda, who's at the party. We've never seen Wanda before, I don't think. But Sylvia says this. She used to be a, a skin cleanser model. Yeah. Um, and Louise says, yeah, Swarfiga. What a bitch. <laughs> really nasty. So she's slagging off her facelift and her makeup. And and they, they, she does that thing where she she's slagging her off and then waving at her and, yeah. and like chatting to her. Oh, it's nasty. She says she's got so many blackheads that when the fellas get bored, she could, they can play join up the dots. Join the dots. <laughs> that made me laugh, to be honest. I know she's very bitchy. But... Mm. Well, Liz arrives. We meet the infamous Liz that um, John is, is is hot for. And Sylvia introduced herself to her. But they've met, apparently, on the ramble that yes. that John met um, Liz on. And they end up talking about Dr. Osborne, who is hosting this party. It's Dr. Osborne's party, who has a practice on Harley Street. Well, this is it again, where Louise suddenly reveals some of Sylvia's medical history. Uh, and, yeah. and she reveals a little bit later to uh, Liz about the cross-dressing husband. She's just... Again. Sylvia's there just to be the butt of Louise's jokes, but it makes us like Louise less, doesn't it? It does indeed. It does indeed, because she even... Louise even makes reference to getting a free inflatable cushion. So it's also something quite 
Bowerly. Potentially personal and embarrassing. <laughs> it's bowel related or bum related, isn't it? Yeah. Which is, why would you want to talk about that at a party unless you'd offered the information yourself? Hmm. Ooh. This lady who's playing Liz, by the way, this is Lucy Fleming. Okay. She, <laughs> I was about to say, she was Bob a job in the 80s. Because <laughs> she, <laughs> cause she, uh, she popped up in sitcoms all through the 80s, Ever Decreasing Circles, yep. Rob, Robin's Nest, Never the Twain, several other ones. Quite familiar. Yeah, she's one of those. She's got a proper 80s face, I would say. Mm, 80s face. Yeah. She might turn up in bric-a-brac later. Bloody hell, Ralphie, what dreadful kitchen. Liz men- mentions that she's quite envious of Kate, who we've not seen yet, mm. and what she's doing. Uh, Kate is planning a holiday to travel around Europe and quit a job. And Liz and Sylvia both know all about this, and they know that Kate left her job a fortnight ago, so obviously she's quite serious about this impending trip. And Louise is gutted because Kate's not talked about it with her. Yeah, you can see it all over her face. She's not happy, is she? Isn't it marvellous what Kate's doing? I do envy her. What do you mean this holiday she's planning? Well, it's more than just a holiday, Louise. She's thinking of giving up her job and travelling all around Europe. Oh, she wouldn't take a decision of that magnitude without asking my advice first, dear. Well, she left her job over a fortnight ago, and she flies from Heathrow next Thursday. Yes, that's what I advised her to do. Yeah, uh, Kate's leaving from Heathrow next Thursday, and Louise acts like she knows all about it. I'm starting to not... Not like Louise at all, really. No. Well, I don't. I don't think she is supposed to be a sympathetic character. No, no. Really, I mean, she's funny because of her. In the well, actually, Margot probably wasn't supposed to be a sympathetic character in the, in the good life at first, but no, those um, idiosyncrasies of her, which often make her an awful person, are very amusing. Of course, they are. But I think Margot ended up being more having more redeeming qualities with her friendships than Louise certainly is showing. Yeah. Ralph introduced himself to, to Wanda, the lady that they've all been calling, and she talks about being a free spirit to Ralph. And she's quite enticing, isn't she, and flirty. She's, she looks like she's trying to get it on with um, with Ralph. Oh, she's stri- she's stri- no small talk. She's just straight onto it. I want a man. She is, yeah. yeah. Ralph, ag- Ralph agrees, um, but then goes off on a tangent about his motorcycle combination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very sexy. Wanda's going. She's, she's going to be leaving soon, and she needs a man. Ralph suggests Mr. Hopkins because <laughs> he doesn't understand that she's trying to get her end away with him. Do you think he's asexual, Ralph? I see him as being asexual, yeah. Yeah. Or a fetishist. Do you think he's just more into his... Terrapins. Terrapins or, um, I was going to say, inanimate objects like his motorcycle combination or his Maybe. His hat. Yeah. Yeah, he's... he just misses all the cues. If if he, if he's not, he misses the cues totally. He doesn't. He doesn't sort of yeah understand that. She is, she is literally trying to get him to go back with her. If he was a real person now, he'd probably be diagnosed somewhere on the spectrum, I think. Perhaps. She says she needs a fit, strong man with stamina. And Ralph says, if he meets anyone who fits the bill, he'll send them over. Oh. Kirk and the blonde are still flinging themselves about all over the um, conservatory. Wanda introduces herself to Kirk. Now, here we go. This this has potential. Um, while the best-selling single of 1987 plays in the background, Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. Ah, subject of a quiz, I believe. So the blonde breaks herself free from Kirk's clutches and she says, I feel sick. And Louise does say that he has that effect on most people. 
Liz asks if 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 she needs needed to get Doctor Osborne to come and help, but it turns out that the blonde lady is Doctor Osborne. Yes, I I I did picture I did that internal misogyny thing and pictured that it was a man, Doctor Osborne, that had hosted the barbecue. I pictured it as Willem Dafoe because he played Doctor Osborne in in Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> that he was going to come waltzing out there. I'm something of a scientist myself. <laughs> Kirk grabs Ralph as he's passing and says, don't worry about me now, I don't need a lift. Yeah. Pulled, this chick wants me. And Ralph's concerned that it's Wanda and that she's only, she only wants one thing, but which Kirk obviously thinks that he's the man for the job. Of course he would. Yeah, it's quite clever this, because at this point we think that Ralph is, is warning Kirk about her sexual appetite, but the yeah. punchline comes in a minute, doesn't it? Kate walks past them and Kirk asks her what it feels like to be a loser. As if Kate feels like she's missing out there. It's very unnecessary. Hmm. Kate says, I don't know. Tell me sometime. And Wonder, Wonder and Kirk disappear. Mm. They disappear off. Hmm. Louise and Kate talk about her leaving. And we find out that Kate is an accountant and has worked at her job for 11 years and gets the train each morning with little men in bowler hats. I didn't picture that. I didn't, I didn't picture her. I didn't picture her being uh, like a job in the city. Yeah, I don't know what I'd pictured her as. Because, I mean, mm. she doesn't even have a surname in the credits. You know, Kirk, no. Ralph, John, all have surnames, but the, the women don't, doesn't... apart from Mrs. Arnott, who doesn't have a first name. <laughs> <laughs> you get one or the other. Yeah, you if you're a woman, yeah. Kate describes her life. I thought this was quite poignant. She describes her life as she's bored and feels like she's on a life support machine fitted with a dimmer switch. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? It is. But at the same time, you're happy for her because she's got like, she's got this freedom and she's clearly quite liberated by it. She's saying, I could be away for three days, three weeks or three years. And you think, that's amazing. Good on you, Kate. And she's got no financial woes either, it seems, which is rare in Thatcher's Britain. Yeah. Kate's going to, um, she's, the, the plan is to go to a villa in Greece and, and then carry on traveling. But Sylvia says to her, don't drink the water. Oh, sitcom alert. <laughs> Don't drink the water, Blakey. Yeah, don't drink the water. In in Greece, once George had drunk the water and spent most of the holiday in the bathroom. And then they returned to the same place a few years later and you could still see George's teeth marks on the towel rail, <laughs> which I thought was a brilliant line. Men can be such brutes. Kate is planning to have a leaving party before she goes off on her travels, but makes it quite clear that Kirk is not invited. Wise move, I think. Mm. John arrives and apologises and takes Liz to one side. But she thought she'd been stood up. Poor Liz. Yeah. There's a bit of small talk and Liz says that he came in the nick of time because she was starting to reminisce about her husband who loved Greece because Sylvia had been talking about Greece. And he was a bit of an amateur archaeologist. And John says that her, her husband was stupid to let her walk away. So he's got all the best intentions of making her feel good. Yeah. But then he's misunderstood and it turns out that... that Lizzie's husband died. Yes, and she's a widow. God. He really put his foot she's in it. She's a widow. And he, head, yeah. he headbutts the wall, which is his, you know, his trope. His thing. Did you see it wobble yeah. like Faulty Towers, though? I know it did. <laughs> it did. I did notice that. Oh, dear. But O'Reilly had had that wall up. Kirk reappears after disappearing with Wanda, moaning that he'd, he'd left with Wanda a car had broken down and he tried to help her restart it by pushing it and she just drove off. Good on it. I, I kind of warmed to Wanda. I thought, 
good on her. She knows what men are useful for in her life. And she's just yeah. like, I'm just going to use my raw sexual energy to entice one to be my mechanic. Good on you, Wanda. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be less risky if she just got some junk leads, perhaps. Probably, yeah. Um, Louise made a little barb about Wanda again. She says, poor Wanda has nothing but trouble with batteries. I know. I, I did think I wonder what she was getting at there. I'm assuming it was a, a dildo reference. Yeah, I think so. But without Mrs. Yeah. Arnott to get a rape alarm out. To... Rape alarm? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, God. Kirk's now heard about Kate's party and she says that he should stay away, but she explains to him that she's going travelling. Uh, but he's, he, this is quite a, a tender moment. And when he's being really tender, Peter Blake's really attractive. He's really good looking. And there's mm. a real sort of softness to him. And he says, well, take care of yourself. And Kate's about to sort of give him some kind of normal psyche reply that she that she normally does when she realises what he said and she looks quite touched. So, hey, you're off around the world, eh? Yes, I'm taking some time off to travel. Yeah, well, you take care of yourself. I'll do exactly what I... What? Well, you take care of yourself. I mean, there's, uh, well, there's a lot of heavy-duty people out there and I don't want you getting hurt. No, I'm... Um... I'll be careful. I'll miss you. You? <laughs> You'll miss me? <laughs> I want you to have this, Kate. Why? It's my lucky charm. It's got me out of many a tight corner. Keep it with you. Will. And she, I think she's sort of taken aback, really, isn't she? She's she's really surprised. Yeah. And he takes off his necklace and gives it her as like a lucky charm. And she's swooning at this point, isn't she? She is. Yeah, she is. She agrees to wear it and she kisses him. Louise looks like aghast. Yeah. And Kirk then asks if he can come to the party and Kate says, get lost, Lee's bag. Which I thought, I don't I didn't know this. I, I hope she was joking because I felt like, I think he really meant that. I don't think it was that well done in, in, in terms of make, leaving it ambiguous because Kurt looked like, oh, yeah, she is joking. But I wasn't convinced by Kate's remarks that and, and the look on her face that it com- comes across as a, as a joke. So, I agree. Do you know what I mean? It, didn't, I it just didn't yeah. quite come across. But as you say, Peter Blake, when he's being vulnerable, he, you know, he's got quite the breadth of, of acting abilities and he goes yeah. like, just like that from yeah. from being obnoxious to being vulnerable and really caring but then we get a brilliant punchline don't we when Kate walks away yeah he grabs another crucifix from his pocket and puts that around his neck I love that <laughs> it's brilliant isn't it? he obviously has, has them lined up in his pocket ready yeah <laughs> and then he grabs he grabs Dr Osborne and says come on doc let's rock and off he goes <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of guy I am. We're next at John's flat. This is the end of the evening. And John and Liz are back at his, his bedsit. And he thanks her for the lift home. Um, he said, I'd invite you in, but my parents might still be up. <laughs> but it didn't really land as a joke. And I felt really like, I, I was a bit, what, why, what's going on? Where is he? Where's he gone? It's in character for him though, isn't it? To be awkward, socially awkward. He's very awkward. He is very socially awkward. The kiss, and she says, he says, sorry, are you in a hurry? She thinks it's quite late, but he tries to convince her to stay. And 
he says he's cleaned up his flat, sort of like you know, in anticipation. But mm. she's she's a bit concerned that he's like he's done too much planning to get her back. Yeah. To the bedsit to, to have his wicked way with her, but she he says no. It's, it, I hoped I hoped that would happen, and he was quite quite honest about it. And she admits that she's already turned a car alarm on. She turned the car alarm on, knowing that she's not going straight yeah. back to that back that car. Everything's coming up, John, isn't it? It is indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go inside, and John thanks God with a fist pump. He's um he's he's yeah he's overexcited at this stage. They go inside. <sighs> And then open the door and the ultimate passion killer of Ken being in his bed. I was I was thrown by this. It's a little bit far fetched, this, isn't it? Not only is because John says, "How did you get in?" and and Mrs. Lemensky had helped him get in. Yeah, with the, with the credit card. She doesn't even have a case. So yeah, she used the credit card. So he's gotten in, even though he doesn't know Mrs. Lemensky. Could be anyone. He's convinced yeah. her to break into John's flat, and then the cheeky got got in his bed. Got in his bed. Ken and Liz shake hands to say hi, and we find out that Maggie's thrown him out, and it's the end of end of twenty years of marriage. Yeah, he's quite sorrowful, and you're you starting to have like a sliver of sympathy for him. But then, as he sort of wallows, he he suddenly turns and says, "Oh, she's she's a bit tasty, isn't she?" Yeah. <laughs> Referring to Liz, I took your advice. I talked to her, and then I listened to what she had to say, and she said, "Get out." I mean, that's it. Get out. It's the end of my marriage. It's the end of twenty years. I've lost my home, my wife, my lovely kids. I've lost everything. She's rather tasty, isn't she? <laughs> He's a menace. He's a menace. Ken tells John to just give him a couple of weeks and John offers Liz a drink. Ken just tells John to give him give him a couple of weeks, let him stay with him till it all sort of blows over. Um, and John offers Liz a drink, but she turns him down because I think she knows at this point that she's not stopping because there's, mm. you know, three's a crowd. John's cross though, but I think Liz is, is she's relieved at this point. Yeah, she says that, doesn't she? That she doesn't usually mm. um, stay over on a first date. Yeah. So it's almost it's almost like stopped her in her tracks from from getting too carried away, perhaps. John would really like to see Liz again though, um, and they make plans to go for Sunday lunch, which is quite sweet. Um, obviously, hopefully without Ken. Um, and the kiss, and she says goodbye. John bangs his head on the wall again in frustration, and we hear Mrs. Lemensky tell him to stop. But John tells her to shut up. Not loud, though. I think he's a little bit scared of Mrs. Lemensky. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think yeah. it's it's interesting, Mrs. Lemensky, in this series so far, I'm not, I might be wrong, but I'm not entirely sure she's been on screen, and yet she's had lines in every episode. Really? But we've, we've not really seen her, have we not? I think we've seen her in, in uh, I think, one, one episode, yes. I'm sure. She answered the she phone. She had a fashion corner moment. She answered the phone, didn't she? And then yeah. knocked on the door. But mostly she's just shouting through walls at him, calling him a crazy person. Yeah. We're back in um, John's bed sit the following day. The bell goes and it's Liz, but John's not expecting her because it's a day early. Yeah. But she's come round to take him out for lunch at a hotel and she's booked a room. So the Sunday dinner that she was going to take him for is yep. the night after a hotel trip that she's booked, but she hadn't mentioned yes. it to him, which is nope. overcomplicating things somewhat. Give the guy a chance to like plan his trip away, you know. Yep, she's um, she's taking them away, and they need to set off, so he needs to get, he needs to get packing, which he does, and just grabs loads of stuff and puts it in a Tesco carrier bag. That's yeah. not sexy. No. No, is it? it isn't, but 
prior to the ban on carrier bags, I was a big user of carrier bags myself. I'd just use them everywhere I went. So I can relate to John. What, for like a sexy night away? You'd put you'd just put everything in a, in a carrier well, bag? Well, when you're getting all this, who cares if he brings a carrier bag? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've seen, you, yeah, it's already in the offing. Who cares what you take your, um, your Grundies in? <laughs> John monologues out loud about going to a hotel. Um, and that she's paying, which I find, I don't know, that made me feel a bit icky, that. Well, he is skint, um, to be fair to the guy. He is living on his bones of his arse, so he's probably he just is... chuffed that he's able to go, go away with the, with the girl he likes. And, with a lady, and yeah. then he thanks God, because obviously that's what it's all down to. Yes. And that's where the episode ends. Seems we've sung love's last song, dear John. There was a little bit there where it became apparent that Ken had gone back to Maggie. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't because they'd particularly um, changed their minds so much as he was hungry and Maggie had cooked <laughs> some food. And it just occurred to me that Maggie must have wanted him back to have made him his favourite dinner and called him. And I thought, bloody hell, Maggie, you can do better. I know. I was sad for Maggie in a way. Yeah. Does she appear any further in the in the in the series? Do we do we hear from Maggie again? I think we do. I think do we? we see okay. we see her at least one more time, but I might be wrong. But whilst I was sad for Maggie, I was made up for John that things are looking up for him because usually things are looking up and there's some hope and then it's dashed at the last for John. Yeah. And actually I felt this episode was quite low on gags really, but I, I it wasn't a slog because they were moving the story on more. It was story-driven, and it was enjoyable. It was, yeah. Even though the, the humour wasn't as, you know, as heavily present as usual. No, there was the odd good sort of John Sullivan one-two. Yeah. Which I quite enjoyed. Usually involving Sylvia, and I liked that, the fact that she she was so downtrodden in the episode by Louise, but still managed, she was the, the character that got the funny lines for me in this episode. Kurt getting the uh, replacement cross out of his pocket. Was that your, was that your that favourite bit? That was my favourite bit, yeah. I just mm. thought that sums up that character so well. Absolutely. It's a shame that when he opened his wardrobe in that episode, we just didn't see about, you know, a hundred of them hanging up. Just all hanging, yeah. <laughs> did you did you manage to get any bric-a-brac this week, Al? I did get some bric-a-brac. I got, I got a few bits of bric-a-brac, actually. They're all sort of, rather than being visual bric-a-bracs, the verbal bric-a-bracs, is that all right? Yeah. They're not facial bric-a-bracs. It's so... Like like expressions of the time, is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. And things that were reminiscent of, of that time as well, things that that were talked about. Um, when Louise was, was slagging off Wanda and her makeup, she referred to Artex. And I know that Artex is still a thing. You know, like the, the stuff that your parents just slathered all over the ceiling hmm. in random pattern shapes. I don't know. It's still it's still available, and it's still a thing that you can have done. But just Artex ceilings just make me think of the eighties. Yeah, there are a lot of things like that, though, aren't there? Like it's almost a similar brand name, but you know, Ralgex, like Deep Heat. Yeah, that's still around, but it, yeah. people just refer to it as Deep Heat now. But I'm pretty sure the brand Ralgex is still around. Ralgex, and it makes yeah. me think of the eighties. Ralgex. Mm. Artex. Oh, and trying to get Artex off now. If you bought a house now and then tried to strip the Artex, just burn it down. Just burn the house down and build it <laughs> Start again, again yeah. <laughs> Don't bother. Uh, my other piece of bric-a-brac was 
Kate talking about going to work as an accountant and each morning she's walking to, to her job alongside little men in ball hats, which again made me, I don't think that's something that people that work in the city, they don't, they don't wear ball hats anymore, but it was a thing, weren't it? To have a ball hat and, a, and an umbrella. Do you know, I almost am inclined to think it possibly wasn't a thing by that stage and that it was... I don't know. I, did, I didn't live in London in the 80s, but no. <laughs> I'd be interested to know if anyone commuted to work in London in the 80s, whether actually that had gone out of fashion by that point. I would have thought Ball it was hats. more 60s, dying out in the 70s and probably gone by the 80s, but that's just a hunch. Okay. Maybe prior to like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, like the big boom, the big sort of financial boom. Yes. Yeah. Like when Canary Wharf was, was becoming a thing in, in London and like the financial district. Prior to that, maybe. Maybe maybe we're at the tail end of, of bowler hattage. Yeah, perhaps. And I think I had one more. Oh, yeah. Again, it was another non-physical bric-a-brac. Uh, the grandstand theme on the telly when John was marking the books. Yeah. And I know it's not that long since, but that particular version of the grandstand theme just made me... And it might have been the one that was right up to the end, but it, uh, grandstand just makes me think of the 80s. Grandstand's music, though, is, is actually, I'm going to confess this, it's actually a piece of music I will put on when I want to perk up. <laughs> Do you? Oh, I like that. I regularly put on, regularly. If I, if I just need to pick me up, like if no one else is in the house and I can have a little dance about and punch the air. Yeah. I put on something Grandstand. like Grandstand or, in fact, a lot of BBC sport themes are really uplifting. The cricket theme. The cricket, the snooker, the skiing, Ski Sunday. <laughs> yeah. It's a real happy, feel-good um, orchestral kind of sound that you get from these BBC themes. Uh, what's the other one? Sports Night. There's loads of them that are just really uplifting and positive. Yes, they are, Grandstand's they? brilliant, especially that bit where it where it drops. That bit when it comes in. Yeah, that. yeah. It makes wanna makes wanna do a happy yeah. little jig. So yeah, then are my three um, non physical bric a bracs. Do do you have any physical bric a brac? Well, I had two, but we've covered one already. It was the Tesco oh, carrier right. bag. I know carrier bags carrier bags aren't that long gone in our history, but that particular no. design of the Tesco it bag was, was very, yeah. very 80s. Mm-hmm. And I, as I said, I'm a, a big fan of a, of a carrier bag. I know that it's good that we don't mass produce them, but I miss them a little bit, I have to admit. Yeah. It's quite funny. You know Angelos Epithema, who we've discussed before? Yeah, he has a carrier bag. He always has that same thrift bag that, the orange yeah. one, and that was his act. And then they stopped producing them. So he actually put an appeal out on Twitter because <laughs> he needed more of them because it was part of his look. So yeah. he had people sending him old Sainsbury's bags. Oh, were they like the crappy thin ones that he needed? I think so, yeah. Those sort of, yeah, very thin, orangey. Very thin ones. Very orange. The only other thing I spotted was a Ernie on the shelf in Maggie and Ken's house. You know, the Muppet, okay. the Muppet's Ernie. What's Sesame Street Ernie? Hmm, he was on the shelf behind John. Was he? I didn't see that. Yeah, I don't know what, what he was doing there. Who was the fan of Ernie in that particular household? I like Ernie. I like Ernie. <laughs> so who's your MVP this week? Um, my MVP this week is Sylvia. Ooh, that's interesting because I've picked Kate and it's the first MVP she's got. They're both MVP virgins up to this point. Really? Yeah, I think so. And yet, they've now both got one each in this 
what is it, the 10th episode that we've covered? Right. See, see, if you'd have asked me last week whether I thought I was going to give Sylvia MVP this week, I would have said probably not, no, because she's really irritating. But I just feel like the, the, the treatment that she got from Louise is, is making me warm to her, which is often how I end up liking characters because I feel like they need a bit of TLC. I quite like her anyway. I know she has got the irritating voice and laugh, but she's quite sweet-natured. So she is. She's not. She's quite harmless, isn't she? She is. Yeah, and I've I've given mine to Kate just because she's taken her life, you know, by the balls and decided yeah. she's got it's there to be lived. And I just think, good on you, Kate. Well done, Kate. I ha- I have some um, fashion corner if we'd like to take a, a venture over. Of course, let's go there now. Whatever happened to those clothes we wore It seems we never wear those clothes no more Fashion Corner So first on my list this week for Fashion Corner is Maggie's red blows when she's dishing up the chilli con carne She's in like a red blouse with an open neck. It was very 80s looking and reminiscent of the Linda Bellingham mum character in the OXO adverts. That was specific. She gave me OXO mum vibes. And then she's wearing either, it's either a tartan penny or a skirt. It's often difficult to sort of tell the difference because she didn't really move around much. So that was, yeah, that was Maggie in the kitchen. Kate, I think... A, a, a re-emergence of the peach dress that she had on the other week with a white jacket. A lot of these jackets that the ladies have on are things, like I've said before, that you would see today that they don't really look dated. Sylvia's got a white dress with like a branch and leaf pattern in blues and greens, uh, which is quite pretty. Louise at the party is in a white stripy, I think it was black and green, mum blazer again. Mm, yeah with a round round neck top underneath with thick gold chunky jewellery and earrings again very reminiscent of the uh, of the era Liz we've not seen her before but she's uh, she's dressed in like a very pale Cadbury purple jacket so the, these jackets all the ladies are in these jackets mm. apart from Wanda who um, is in a little black dress and silver jewellery yeah um, so obviously she's dressed different to the other ladies and I think that's why they took a bit of a swipe because she's obviously doesn't fit fit their mould of the um, conservative mum jacket. Do you know, I thought it was... Um, what's her name who played Beppe DeMarco's mum in EastEnders at first? All right. Do you Does know what I mean? Yeah. She, she was in Bergerac as well, wasn't she? She was John yeah. Bergerac's missus. But in, in EastEnders, she always had that bit of white in her head. Yeah. She did, like a, like a streak, Malin streak. Yeah, my dad always called her bird shitter, yeah. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> can't remember what that, I can't remember what the actress's shit name is. Head. Oh, my God. Well, that's kind of what it looked like. Anyway, it wasn't her, so I don't know why I bring it up. <laughs> Please resume. <laughs> Thank you. Not with bird shit in her hair there was a lady in the background in the um, in the barbecue scene in like a mustard coloured shiny suit which was 
again, I, I, when, I, when I think about music videos, it, it has like a music video vibe to this suit. All it right. was mustard coloured, shiny, with a baggy coat and long thigh length, a sort of long thigh length jacket and a bubble perm. So she, mm. she did, she sort of fit the bill for um, 1980s. Special mention at the end here goes to Ken in his pale blue t-shirt when he was in John's bed with N-U-T in navy lettering and a hand holding um, a lit torch. So he'd obviously got this at some... It was a freebie that he's been given at some N-U-T conference for the teachers. Oh, is um, that what it was? He's, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. obviously got it in his bag, his bag of goodies when he's leaving um, and it's now, it's now been relegated to the pyjamas, pyjama drawer. Do you know what it makes me think of? That Fright the Concord song where he's... Is it business time when he's... He's yes. wearing that old T-shirt. Team yeah. building exercise 99. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. That's where it's from. <laughs> oh, dear. I've got so many of them T-shirts. Yeah, T-shirts that get rele- relegated to, to pyjamas. Yes, loads of them. So, yeah, that was it. that's it. That is it for Fashion Corner this week. You can follow us at Saddle Podcast on Twitter and Instagram where we post rare photos and videos on Dear John, Faulty Towers and The Good Life and more. We have a Facebook page you can find by searching Saddle Podcast and we also have a growing Facebook group that you can join and contribute to with discussions and memes and rarities that you might find yourself. This is where we post the episodes we deep dive each week and for now it might be the only place where you can catch Dear John. Subscribe to our newsletter as well by visiting our website, saddle.club, where you can also get more information about us, read our blog, show us a coffee, or take our super tricky Good Life and Faulty Towers quizzes. Get in touch, email us at saddlepodcast at gmail.com and subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Do we know what next week's episode is? Yes, next week's episode is called Torquay. Ooh. Oh, see, in my head then, I'm thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice if it was a crossover episode with Falls Towers? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Just before we go, a little plug for Belinda Lang's forthcoming play in Salisbury. She's opening uh, a play, The the Children in Salisbury. can't remember the venue, but if you Google it and you want to go and see Belinda Lang's latest play, I'm sure that you can find details if you're in the Salisbury region. Just thought I'd throw that in there, because if you like Belinda Lang, then you might want to go and see her latest work. Excellent. So we'll see you next week for Series 2, Episode 5, Torquay. I'll see thee. <laughs> oh, fuck, what am I going to do? <laughs> Damn you. Dear John, dear John, by the time you read this life, I'll be gone. Life goes on. Love's last song, dear John.